pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. StevenGandy.com is the website. If you'd like to be on the Kinetically Podcast, the number is 720-626-8649. Welcome back, KB Creatives all over the place. Hey, Maggie. <laughs> yes, yes, Welcome yes. back. You're KB We're Creative. Back. We're back. How are you today? I am fantabulous. Bright and shiny. We need to get, I am so excited about turning on the cameras and inviting people to come and be a part visually oh of what we've been doing for a while. That's coming. I hope I don't freak out. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? I hope I don't freak out. What would that look like? It would look like deer in headlights. <laughs> what in? I want to see that. Oh, man. Question for you. The camera has strange effects on people. Doesn't it, though? <laughs> Not on you, though. Oh, thank you. You know something? We've been in, we were talking about this earlier, and um, it's really, it's sort of, it's fun. We, we heard this in Europe. I know that we heard it over in uh, Scotland, there in Edinburgh, and a couple of different places, actually, that we were in. And then we heard it in, I think it was an airport in London. And this guy that was working, it was probably two in the morning, and we were passing through the airport, and this guy that was picking, we had, I've, he got was, a, I've got a keyboard yeah, that I travel yeah. with, and it, it's really heavy. It's the concert pianist yeah. kind of keyboard. It's 85 and pounds. So, yeah, he's picking it up, and it's, you know, I wanted to help him. No, no, I got it. He said, I'm living the dream. <laughs> and then he and gave me this sort of deadpan look. Right. You know, but you can take that two different ways, because I'm thinking, yeah, right, that you are living the dream. Or, oh, I'm sorry, you're living the dream. It, it is said facetiously. In most cases. Is it? Does it have to be, though? <laughs> no, but it is. Because there's a guy, we're, we're, we are in Breckenridge, Colorado right now, and we were in the grocery store, mm-hmm. which, by the way, they don't have enough workers. Have, have you noticed that? Oh, it's everywhere. And uh, All the restaurants? Two the guys. There was one bagging our groceries, and then the other one was checking us out. And they said they're the only ones, and this was, this was um, you know, Breckenridge is really crowded right now. Yeah. And they said that they are the only ones that have been working all day in a grocery store. Well, and I loved what you said to them. I love that you acknowledged them and and pointed out just and you were you just gave them you showed them gratitude for for being there and for working. It's something that seems so simple, but is so not right now. <laughs> well, they appreciated, they appreciated that. It so much. But one of them said, uh, "Living, the, I'm living the dream." <laughs> <laughs> Again, every, you know, people are saying it, and I think you're right. I think typically it's said facetiously, and it brings a a little bit of a chuckle, you know, from isn't everybody. That the, isn't that our goal? That's the goal, to to stop saying, living the dream facetiously and start meaning it. <laughs> no, I really am living the dream. Well, as a kinetic believer, absolutely, <laughs> exactly. That's seriously. That's what we're doing. So, uh, question to you, are you living the life of your dreams? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. Because, now, you can take that two different ways. We talk about... You know, as a kinetic believer, obviously we are blueprinting the life that we want to uh, yeah. be revealed to us, that we're attracting into our existence. And we're doing it through gratitude, through the imagination. Mm-hmm. We are desiring the life that we're living, yeah. regardless of whether or not you can see it in the empirical forms around you yet. But the archetypical, uh, the archetypal forms that we uh, imagine to see manifest, we're creating those in our journal. We're the architect of our life. And through the practice of gratitude, we're saying, I'm living the dream in the sense mm-hmm. of being you know, in present tense now. 
Well, I guess the right way to really say it would be, I'm on the journey of my dreams. I'm on the adventure of my dreams. You know, I'm not trying to just get everything just so and then leave it and have this like weird, sterilized, permanent museum of my dreams. Well, now so. you're saying that this would be a good time to have those cameras on because you're saying, as you're saying, I'm trying to get everything just so. And guys, if you could see her, she's got her hands out like she's organizing stuff <laughs> around her. I'm nesting. But as a KB, <laughs> you are organizing everything just so within. Yeah. On the inside of you. You are maintaining this place of expectation and higher viewpoints for the life that you're imagining to see. So your hands kind of go like this. Yeah, I am organizing what I'm journaling to see. (laughs) my life. So I am yeah. living the dream. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and it is fun. Sometimes I'll find myself sitting at a coffee shop or just hanging out outside, having a moment of, you know, sort of mental uh, silence, stillness, and it'll just wash over me where I am, what I'm doing with my life. My, I'm so in love with you, Steve, with my life partner. And you just realize that, wait a second, hold up. All of the stuff that I dreamed of and wanted to manifest, it's here. I'm in it. I'm swimming in it. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You are living the dream. And then there are those that say, well, you know, my dream was when I was 14 years old, I wanted to be an astronaut. I'm not in space. I'm not living my dream. Well, let's see. We're talking about something else now. I have to say, I am so grateful that nothing in my life today has anything to do with what I wanted at 14. What did you want when you were 14? I don't know, but I'm sure it was really stupid. (laughs) You're glad you didn't get it. I'm sure it was completely (laughs) idiotic. I remember, now that's that's interesting. I think I was about 14 (laughs) years old. And my best friend that lived next door, Jeff, he and I, we decided one day for some random reason that, oh, if we could just be a dentist when we grow up. Well, I, you know, that's probably, I'm sure it's a great life. That's a weird thing to want, though, at that age, right? Well, for some reason, we identified. Maybe we just. And you met a very cool dentist. I'm glad I'm not one, and I'm so thankful there are dentists. And I I guess if I were one, I'd be so excited to be one, or a doctor of any kind, or a lawyer, or an artist, or anything that you know you dream and imagine that you want to be when you are either formulating the idea of self. You want to be an astronaut, or anything else at the age of ten, twelve, fourteen, or ninety. Yeah. Whatever it is, if it's coming from within and you lock onto that and it's part of the journey like you're talking about, it's showing up because you keep saying and doing the right thing and imagining and desiring and being grateful for the right thing that just bears a witness with your soul. Yeah. And yeah, you're living the dream not because of what you see around you, but what you see within you. Well, I I think I wanted to be a journalist at 14. Now that I'm remembering it, I think I wanted to write, be a writer. Well, in a very real sense of that, you are. Well, and, and it's, it's, it's good that I'm not, though, because looking back, I mean, you don't know yourself that well. I mean, we're still developing as we go through but life. I see you writing all day. Well, and I, but, but I write in this uh, very freeform and, and untethered sort of way, like the structure that would be required to be a really good journalist. I'm not, I'm not so sure I'm, I would be cut out for that. Which I would say that the original, young, youthful idea of a writer probably had you sitting, I mean, writing for a newspaper or a magazine or something that was more, yeah. more strategic. Strategically, you know, this is the mm-hmm. this is the nuts and bolts of writing. But now the heart's yeah. desire took over because the way the law of attraction works through the power of kinetic belief, things yes. that are far beyond what you can actually imagine and hope for show up to manifest yeah. your greatest desire that comes from your 
inner source of being, your higher being. Doesn't that make you so grateful that we we have 50%, but then <laughs> thank, thank God that the universe, there is another 50% because that's taking our heart's desires that we're not even fully aware of yet, and, it, and it's implementing them and massaging our lives, and it's it's so cool to see I'm, how things come, <clears throat> turn out. I'm glad you brought up the mathematic formula 50-50 because I was puzzling on those the, the formula a little bit this morning, and it's more like 60-40. Because the, the greater, which is the, the eternal existence of the greater, it is greater. So it's like 60 universe, creator, yeah. 40 our own effort. Well, Isn't I, that wonderful? That is wonderful. And I guess when you are, are looking at those percentages, it's sort of relative to your 50%. And, and then, but it would be <laughs> so difficult to compare that to the universe's 50%. Like if you have the strongest man in the world, his 50% of what he can lift is the, a lot higher than mine. Sure. <laughs> does I that think make I sense? No. <laughs> no, yes, it, it doesn't. does. If I'm making sense, you're making email me. Sense. Yes, you are making, <laughs> you're making really good sense. Someone tell no, me. You sense. are. Well, for example, the sixty percent would be, you know, you being the the dream of writing. So you're doing that, but it's in a way that you couldn't have imagined. Mm-hmm. And so that part you can't even, which is greater than, like the creative part of it that enables you to not do the nuts and bolts of a strategic kind of writing, but it's more expressive as you work in color mm-hmm. and graphic right. and you paint. It's the artistry of writing yes. that you can't really you know say this is exactly what i wanted just like with me in writing music playing the piano mm-hmm. the dream would have been perhaps at the age of four or five when i first started doing that playing music i want to play the piano right that was the thought i want to you know, <laughs> i want to one. i want to play what i'm hearing yeah and so i'm i start working out the melodies but what i could not have imagined at the age of five or 10 or 15, would have been the sweeping melodies that were trying to come through me and be birthed into the realm in which we are existing. Yes. Mm. And that's the 60 greater percent, meaning my little 40% of being willing to sit there and cry at the piano while trying to work out the dexterity of the notes and and the (laughs) ability to play what I'm hearing. Oh, little Steve. (laughs) I can see it. I can see it. Well, and especially if... You know, you're. That would be crazy because that's that's something that I I have a, a difficult time relating with because I learned to read music at such an early age. So I was sort of, you know, on this very specific musical path. But I can't even imagine wanting to to hearing something and wanting to play it, for example, on the violin with no training and no ability to read music. That would be that would be intense. That would be intense you're because hold- you're just pulling it in. You're just pulling it in from. Wherever you can find it. And you're holding the apparatus. You're holding the violin that someone has told you, or you watch somebody else play. Yeah. You know that the music's in it. Yeah. But it's up to you to figure out how to get it out of it. But now a violin is totally different than a piano because, you know, a, a one-year-old can take that finger like we saw in mm. in some of the hotels we were in in the Baltics, and they can press the finger down on the key and, and get a, a response. That's true. If, if you don't have a little direction on the violin, the dying cats come out. You've tried to get me to, to do the rabbit ear holding your instrument. I can't do that. Forget playing. Isn't it? Well, and, and, and it's interesting that I've never really thought about that, your musical journey in, in this way. And the way that you were able to decide to play the piano 
you know, it was a heart's desire, but then you decided to commit yourself to it. And if you compare day one, clunking around on those keys, trying to figure it out to what you have today, or even what you had at, you know, 15 or 16 years old, it's actually a wonderful an example for us to remember of, of what we can accomplish through kinetic belief. And I think a lot of times we underestimate how much we can actually do across the course of a few years. It's interesting that you put it that way because I'm reflecting back and because I can, I can remember just because of the effort I was putting out at the age, say, of 10. And I can remember sitting yeah. in, in the living room where I was growing up in a little spinet piano there over in the corner. My, my brothers and sister running around playing, doing their thing, and I'm at the piano. But at the age of 10, was just as satisfying to my soul, mm. trying to work out those baby steps on the wow. piano, yeah. as it is today to, you know, if I play with a symphony, mm. it's just as satisfying, but in a different way, because it was a, a challenge to my inner self to become the greater self, which is only relative to the effort at any given time along that linear pursuit of becoming a better uh, uh example of self. That's the journey of life. And there it is. That's why it's so important to pull ourselves into the present moment, to always focus on the now. And like you're, like you just said, to focus on that journey, on the, on the adventure, because that plateau mindedness will get us in so much trouble. It will seed and, and sow so much dissatisfaction in life. Or even comparing yourself competitively, competitively yeah. to someone yeah. else. Because I've often heard from someone that would say something like, you know, if you could do anything, what would you like to do? And they'll say, well, I'd love to paint. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd really like to paint. Well, why don't you paint? Because I can't. Mm-hmm. Time out. Because the learning of painting would be just as satisfying to you as if you were a master in another way, because it is the linear pursuit of the excellence from within Mm -hmm. in challenging yourself, not being compared to someone else that brings satisfaction to life. Isn't it interesting that we are, we're living our lives in these bodies, in this realm, having our own personal experience, and yet it takes so much dedication and introspection to even realize what will satisfy us and what is satisfying and to and to sort of uh, you know uncover and and dust off these ideas of uh, you know just getting rid of all the the misinformation that has been put on us sewn into our minds into our lifestyles what an opportunity to not just live the dream but to understand it and and to get that depth of understanding where satisfaction and and the journey is concerned The KB understands that it's not one particular thing. It's not a destination. The journey is enjoying the pursuit of what you observe, what is attractive to you at any one given point, at any level of of accomplishment. Which, you know, as, as I'm thinking about this, one of the most difficult things, and I think for most people, and I'm even talking about the mature, uh, spiritual, kinetic believer, the the KB that seems to have figured it all out, and they've transcended the hard stuff. They are enlightened and and really living life almost in a seamless effort of of uh, successes one after the other. Mm, yeah. However, the Probably the most common stumbling block, even for the enlightened person, is money. Oh, yeah. 
wealth, money. Yes. Money is a subject that everybody has an, uh, has an opinion on. From the KB to the guy, you know, the, that's working 40 hours a week to the, the one who's writing for a newspaper in New York or London, whoever it is. Money is a subject that everybody's got an opinion on. And the lack of it can often be seen in a, a negative light. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons for this. Usually it's in the form of something like, I don't have enough. And so the person who's thinking, I just don't have enough money, they're uh, energetically yearning for more, constantly yearning for more, thinking about, I need more, I've got to have more. And what's happening here, and when and this really, I think, correlates to the dreams we have for life. And I find this often to be the case, just like with painting or writing music, or going on to work as an attorney or open a practice or an office or anything. Let's say you've stepped into the role of something you want to experience for a while, and now the logistics of the money becomes part of factoring into, Mm -hmm. can I buy the things I need? Can I open the office? Can I do these things? And what's happening here is our unconscious mind. It's trying to make us feel small or insignificant. The ego is identifying with things you need, that you need to worry about, you become anxious about. And so we feel small in comparison to the greater thing that we think we need. Mm. We believe ourselves to be insignificant by saying things like, you know, we, we don't have enough. I can't follow that dream because I, don't, I'm, I have an inadequate amount of support mm. to do it. And so the ego is part, the unconscious is working from the experiential um, the things from your past, that showed up in your life, um, the ego always fears for its survival. Mm. It wants to be validated. And so we can have thoughts like, if I don't get enough money, will I be okay? Will I have enough resources to live on? I'm getting older now and you know, I, I want to retire. Am I going to uh, outlive my money? Right. How will I get by? These are all questions that the ego is asking, and then when it comes to money, there is a rich, a very rich ground for drama, for example, and worry just to thrive in that place with money. And these thoughts are often felt more generally as some kind of a fear. It makes you fearful of running out. There, There are so many, so many questions that... Uh, come from <clears throat> from not having enough money and what are you going to do with your life and why is money such a difficult subject for so many people regardless of how much they even have mm-hmm. a billionaire is worrying about money in the same way that somebody that you know out doesn't have enough money at the end of the week to get through the weekend and so it's true that the the very mention of money can bring about this immediate loss of awareness. Absolutely. And so it almost it almost has a force field around it. It's very powerful. Very the powerful. Connotations of because it. the the fear that is typically attached to money that sort of coagulates around the idea of money and that is a fear that says that, you know, um, it's one of survival and it's instinctive to survival. Mm. And so when we when a person, un, unbeknownst to them, the, the energetics of fear is rising to the surface of consciousness when it comes to 
have the the topic of money and then as a result of that there is uh, when when someone is confronted by a challenging situation it's often hard to put aside the fear Mm -hmm. and think clearly which is essential when thinking about money how do i think clearly about money because it just seems like it's trying to hold on to a fistful of water yeah and so to 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 overcome all of these addictions or addictive ways or, or habitual patterns of, of the way that you think about finances, think about money, it takes a, a daily practice of meditation as a KB. Mm-hmm. And this is something that, you know, you and I do in in purposefully stirring up the the concepts of what is wealth? What defines money to us? What is what is value? Where does it, where is it even sourced from? Because this is the thing that helps us to begin to control our thoughts and to keep a clear head where the idea of resources come from. This is reminding me of something you say all the time, and it's such a good reset, I think, and for me. And it's when you when you're finding balance about anything in life, you make sure you're never running to it or from it. And I think that's one of the hardest. Money is one of the hardest things to implement that into and around because you approach money with so much baggage already attached to it, whether it's an obsession with money or an obsession with not having money. It, there are so many ideas swirling and it's a, it, like you just said, it's a very powerful idea. The, I, the concept of money has so much power surrounding it. It can push us away. It can be very polarizing. So approaching it in the right way, understanding it, it's, it's a huge part of being successful well, on this, this gr- journey. Well, that's a great litmus for so many different things in our lives, money or, or relationships or anything. And if you find yourself run, having to run to it or from it, then it is something that's controlling you. It just is. Most people react negatively when the subject of finances are brought up. And when you feel negative about anything at first, there is a trigger from some kind of a negative source experience, a point of condemnation from your past that you're still identifying with. Mm -hmm. And so with money, it could be a a past um, malicious bill collector. It could be the monthly avalanche of bills that show up in the mailbox at the end of each month. It could be wanting something as a child that you just couldn't have. Or you had it for a few days and they had to send it back because a parent couldn't afford it. Mm. Or you didn't have the money for it. Maybe you felt bad because you overheard your parents arguing about money. There was some kind of a frequent drama in your life and a lot of conflict that was built around this the concept of money. And one day you find out that, you know, it's not as easy as going to an ATM just to have it print more money because you need it. There's something else involved with the source. And I think we were all pretty sad when we when we realized <laughs> that that's not how it works. not quite that yeah. how it all works. But there's so many negative influences mm-hmm. that are attached to money, like we're talking about, just as there are positive ones. Yeah. And so a kinetic believer begins attracting wealth by overcoming the negative suggestions around money. Otherwise, fear and worry and doubt, all those things are triggered whenever financial issues are involved. Well, something you said a moment ago that just really stood out was 
the relationship between money, you know, how we approach, how we think about money, and then the pursuit of dreams. Because being a kinetic believer, that's what this is all about. It's about pursuing your heart's desire, living your best life, living the life like we started the podcast discussing, living the life of your dreams. And many times, the very first thought when you want to do something new is, can I afford it? Mm-hmm. Do I have the money to support that dream? And that's where it breaks down immediately. You, you know, you haven't even begun and you've already sabotaged yourself well because you're seeing money as a as as a necessary part of the dream exactly. and you're seeing money as something that needs to lift it up and support it when that's not the truth that's right. not the case that's why this is so vital to understand that is the egoist way and perspective of seeing um, life as it's not supposed to be because yeah. here's what happens meg as an adult the child experiences rise up within us Without explanation, you may have been doing all the work of a KB. Maybe you've gone through the the manifesting journal three times now. Well, if you have, you're way ahead of the, in the curve mm-hmm. because you're thinking, and that's what we're working on, is changing our thought perspective, changing the way that we see the world, changing our lens. But even while we're in the process of that, experiences from your past, without you even knowing it, as long as they're in there, they can rise up and cause you to become upset or angry even over insignificant amounts of money, perhaps. What's happening is the ego is identifying with issues of survival, and that translates into an intense fear. And it's not rational. And this is a subject that even intensely elevated, enlightened people who have transcended human consciousness in every other area, and they're all but floating around the room as they go. But they still have issues with this. And and I've counseled with people who will shout and they blame others and they make accusations to family members, to bankers, to spouses, to the checkout clerk at the grocery store, to a (laughs) server in a restaurant about the price of a dozen eggs or whatever it is. Money... Because of its liquidity and because of its necessity in the life we're experiencing, it can cause a person to lose positive vibrational energy like that without you even knowing yeah. it's happening. It, it, you just, you know, you check out. It's almost like you, you black out and you're in this rage and you don't even know you're doing it and something else is, is controlling you and you've aligned with the lower state of being, that lower state of consciousness, the egoist state. And you you become a victim to circumstances that may have happened 20 years ago. And so now the server, bless its heart, who accidentally overcharged you for a sandwich, now represents your source rather than the favor of your creator who has given you authority to see that power of your kinetic belief as your source in alignment with your higher source. What you're describing to it really illuminates the issue where we have bought into the cultural lie of putting so much emphasis on money in the first place. Because I think that's one of the most beautiful things about kinetic belief is that, yes, money is a tool and it is it represents a level of strength and opportunity. But it is not the only tool because we have circumstances, we have other people. There are so many vast ways that we have not even imagined for good things to be manifested into our lives. And so I love sort of how whenever you teach this and and you surround it and sort of insulate it with kinetic belief, it's just as important as 
other avenues for good things to manifest into our lives. But it's not the all. It's not on this weird pedestal where it's all or nothing. Oh God, if you don't have any money, then you're screwed. Well, that's what happens, <laughs> and you hit on it because people start seeing money as a source rather yeah. than as a fruit of a root. Mm-hmm. Because to take the restaurant server or the grocery store checkout clerk, the the bill collector, the company that you work for, the government. Um, Mm. any other thing. No other thing should ever be considered to be your source. The dollar is not your source. The government is not your source. No thing is your source or should ever be considered to be your source. Mm. There's only one source who will use all things to prosper you. When you don't see anything as your source, when you don't see a way through, when you don't see a check in the mailbox, when you haven't heard from the government or the whatever you think should be your source. None of that is your source in the same way that no one can take advantage of you as long as you give the advantage. I have a question. So are you saying that simply by, it's really maybe not so simple, I shouldn't use that word, but by sort of renegotiating our relationship with money and making sure that we're not seeing it as a source and keeping our our spiritual self, our highest self focused on the true source that actually does usher in all things that are good. Is that going to automatically fix the relationship with money? Re- redefining the source, the definition Absolutely. of what is the source. Having the correct idea of source. It's like opening up this cabinet here and taking out a loaf of bread and saying, this is my source for bread. Right. No, that's just a, a loaf of bread that came from somewhere else. Mm. Wow. And so people are looking at the check as being... Uh, uh, an example of their wealth or the whatever's in the checking account or the savings account and that being the, the, the their wealth. But that's not your wealth. That's not your value. Well, I think that's a, this is just such a beautiful concept that I want to hover over for, for a moment because I love that. I love how, hey, we get to simply, to fix all this, we get to simply focus on the true source, mm-hmm. redefine source, and that fixes the idea of the, the bad ideas surrounding money, because, you know, I think it's so human and it's so organic and natural to try to fix the the relationship that we have with something that maybe isn't correct by diving in and, and forcing it, right? It's everything. You don't focus on the money to fix the relationship with money. You focus That's on right. the true source. That's right. No more than you would try to get more more bread out of the loaf if yeah. you start to run out Very uh, cool. than going back to the source. That's not how it works for anything. Mm. Even though that is the knee-jerk reaction to living in a world of forms. And so, you know, we don't see where the substance of things are actually coming from unless you get the right lens of perspective for the reality in which we live and prosper from. I am wealth. I am love. I am joy. I am happiness. I am these things. That's not it. You're not it. No other thing is that. I am these things. Mm -hmm. That's the perspective that attracts and manifests these things. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be a good steward over what we're attracting to our lives, that when you have a, a bank account that you know has a million dollars in it. it doesn't mean you're going to to be wasteful and just throw throw it away that's not what we're talking about it simply means that whatever you're willing to to give for example comes back to you through the power of attraction where the positive energetics to become more exists more is attracted mm. to the space that you're creating for abundance and so you ask yourself something like okay we're talking about money here. So what is it 
about money that upsets me or what upsets me um, uh, that can, can, can cause me to be angry or what disturbs me about money. Because if, if small things have the power to mess with you, the, then you are identifying yourself with something small. You're identifying yourself with small things. And you're still operating life from the mental constructs of the ego self. For example, when you are in, indenturing with failure, with lack, with loss, all things to you are small and they're threatening. And so you can know now that, guess what? The empirical world of forms rules your life. You still have some work to do. You still have uh, some things that you want to transcend over. There's some, some, um, some more insights that you've got to do some work on gaining the knowledge of. You know, you've done some fabulous teachings in the past about how our demonstration of what we're believing for creates the necessary space, the necessary vacuum for what we are wanting to manifest to then fill up. And I'm wondering how that corresponds here and correlates with money. Uh, is, is it going to require us to to demonstrate our, I don't want to say need, but our belief that we are achieving something bigger and better and greater and that, hey, universe, hello, we need funds now. I'm doing this thing. Mm. I took I took that leap of belief and now I've created this vacuum. I mean, does, is that how this works with money. It always comes down to the demonstration, doesn't it? With money, with health, with anything, mm-hmm. the, the vitality of the best life that we're experiencing, the best life that we are believing to manifest in our lives. It always comes down to the practicality of what we're putting our hands to, mm-hmm. to the work that we're doing in according to, according to and in align, an alignment with what we expect to see. Wow. For example, I just said... <clears throat> I just said, I am, therefore I am. And so I am love. I am happiness. I am in unconditional love of my Creator. I am wealthy. I am these things with myself and with all others. And probably a lot of listeners out there were going, yes, me too. I am that. I am wealthy. I am rich, man. I am so healthy. I am strong. I'm a champion. I am all those things. And then the phone rings. Bad news. The deal you were working on falls through. The kid got arrested for smoking pot. Your mother-in-law is coming to town unexpectedly. The company is handing out is, is not handing out end-of-year bonuses. Mm. The contract to purchase fell through. Your partner has f- filed for a divorce. They say it's your fault, and they want more money. Are you still all those things? Mm. Mm. Suddenly, what happens? You get red in the face with anger, and an overwhelming sensation of anxiety just takes over, and you can hardly speak. I'm done. This is freaking ridiculous. Turn that podcast off. They're crazy. (laughs) You go on the attack. You blame. You accuse. You curse. You defend yourself. You justify what you've done and, and what you haven't done. And then uh, all of these reactions, what they do is they come out of the, the ego. They're coming out of the subconscious. They're coming out of an experience you had 50 years ago, two weeks ago. You're on autopilot. And then your sense of identity, has it's been threatened. Remember, your ego wants to live. It wants validation. It wants to be propped up and patted on the back. And the egoist that has, has worked to gain to, to, to build this 
empire, empirical formed empire around you of the sense of self-worth is now being threatened by the phone call that you just got. And now this overwhelming sense of loss is beginning to cloud in on your environment. Wow. (laughs) It's just being a human is wild. Isn't it? It's just this crazy. It's a so, I mean, yeah, what you it? just described—that it's so real and it's so true—that we <laughs> we are capable of identifying fully with the fullness of our highest self, and then turning on a dime and identifying with the most base instincts of who we are. And so, having the skills, listening, immersing ourselves in podcasts like this one every day, journaling every day. It's so vital because that choice is always presenting itself. It will never stop. The choice of what we're going to identify with is always there. It's totally different. The person that says, I'm rich and shows you their bank account or says, I'm healthy and shows you, you know, here's my blood pressure and here's all here the example of me being healthy or I am strong and picks up 600 pounds and says, yes, I am all these things. And then your higher being really has nothing now because you got the phone call or the imagination that you were believing to be true or even the reality of it was authentic. Now it has nothing to do with anything in your life because you feel the sense of this, your higher being and these expectations, you feel that sense being drained away. Fear shows up. And your peace, what happens to it? It leaves you. Your joy leaves. And your happiness, it leaves. Your higher being that always is, therefore it is, and is not um, validated or defined by any of those other things. Your higher sense of being, uh, which is never threatened, however, the small, the smaller ego that decays by nature, it's now doing exactly what you're empowering it to do by becoming fearful and worry and in doubt over the phone call and this, this in- new information that's come in. So it's like changing gears. You You change your focus from what you are celebrating over to what you're now fearful of. And that switch, that change of perspective, all of those things that have upset you are giving your ego its security. Not a positive one, but its security to thrive in the sense of negative identity. And now self-pity has a voice. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Why does everybody hate me? They hate me. I, they just everybody hates me. Everybody is out to get me. Everybody's just trying to manipulate me. The ego has a narrative, and this is the narrative. When you hear that, when those thoughts start coming through and they're rifling through there, they don't wait their turn. Sometimes they'll come two at a time and they overwhelm you with these thoughts. That's the egoist nature, the lower nature, and it's telling anybody. That's willing to listen. My needs are not being met. I'm not appreciated. I'm not loved. I'm not respected. I'm not celebrated. No, when money, listen, when money becomes the archetypal representation of appreciation, when it represents love, well, how do you know? How do, how do you know he loves you? Well, he gives me a he lot gave, of money. He gave me a 20. He gave me a 20. What's Is the it, Marilyn Monroe thing you just saw? Loved that. It was so oh, sweet, it was so a, cute. I think it was in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. I think it was from that movie. But I saw a clip, and this man is really sort of ripping into her. And he says, you're just a gold digger. You're just marrying him for his money. And she, she went, well, he's just marrying me because I'm beautiful. 
What's the difference? <laughs> well, when, of course, she said it in her Marilyn Monroe <laughs> when, when, voice. When money or when beauty becomes the archetypal representation <laughs> of appreciation or of love or exchange of any kind of value just like that, most people become consciously afraid of it then. Do you also remember on the Adams Family when the... Uncle, what was the uncle's name? He was really hideous. Festus. Fester. 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 And uh, he he marries that bl- the blonde woman. He's he says, "Give me a kiss," and she says, "Give me a 20. I mean, (laughs) something's broken. Well, but so what happens is, you know, when we were relating to these kind of tangible things, how much is enough? How much is too much? Fear of not having enough. Fear of having too much. Fear of losing it. Fear of losing your looks. Fear of not having enough money in in, to to do whatever. Rather than acknowledging source. And the good in all things that has nothing to do with the thing or with the amount of money, either being too much or too little, that is not your where we get our value from. That's not where money even comes from, or wealth, or health, or the 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 dynamic um, uh, attributes of happiness and joy and peace. It is it is your life. It is you. It is your higher essence of being. That is the foundation of all of these things, the foundation of abundance and the greater life. It is you. You are, you have, we have within ourselves source for these things. Mm. There's a factory located on the inside of each one of us that manifests, manufactures the very thing that we are grateful for, that we're not fearful of. We don't worry or doubt for those things that, because they're not coming from the constructs of, with, from the without. They come mm-hmm. from within. You know, what you're saying right now, this also reveals why it's so dangerous to resent people who do have wealth. And who are, I, I saw some hashtag or something the other day, and it said something like, eat the rich. And it's sort of a funny take on a, a, an intrinsic hatred toward wealth and wealthy people mm-hmm. if you are not thusly and i think it, what you just said it, it also reveals that that's very dangerous because you know forget how they made it do they pay their taxes who you know we're not talking about that it's the resenting of wealth actually puts you into that perpetual state of poverty mm-hmm. because Absolutely. and and acknowledging that source it overrides all of these issues because you've listed off a lot i mean you've listed off so much that goes wrong when you have a negative, bad relationship with money, and that source is the answer. Mm-hmm. It's the answer. Well, here's what happens. Whatever you believe the world is keeping from you, you see that rich guy, or whatever you believe that they are keeping from you, or taking from you, or withholding from you, you are keeping from the world. You are taking from the world. You are withholding from the world. Mm. Wow. Your fears of the world around you are a reflection of what you fear within you. Your worries, your doubts, all of those constructs of fears are existing within you. Nothing can harm you unless you willingly fall on the blade of harm. Wow. Try this. Whatever you think people are taking from you, find a way to give it. If it's recognition, give it. Mm-hmm. At work, if if it's unconditional love, find a way to give it. If it's money, gratefully give it. If it's assistance, whatever it is, uh, praise for the work that you're doing, give it to somebody else at work. Give it to the, your, your life partner or a f- member of the family, your kids, whatever. Give it. The universe contains the abundance of your source. And the source, listen, that is attracted to 
fully replenish whatever you give in gratitude with the unwavering kinetic belief in a higher source for all things in your life to abundantly come into your life and manifest for you to enjoy. You are the wealth of abundance in that it exists within you. Albert Einstein explained his genius when somebody when he said that uh, I have no special talents, I am only passionately curious. You know, if you will intentionally be passionately curious about the infinite, abundant amount of wealth in the universe around you, become curious about it and celebrate what already is that exists within your creative authority, within your higher being, you will most assuredly lack in no good thing. Well, let's work on some highest viewpoints (laughs) and just say this out loud. Say, I am so excited. I'm so excited. For what I'm choosing to become. Mm, For what I'm choosing to become. The choices represent my passions. The choices represent my passions. And my passions, my purpose. My passion is my purpose. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me. From manifesting my passions. From manifesting my passions. I said nothing. Hey, I said nothing. My unwavering (laughs) desires. My unwavering desires. Are changing my circumstances. Are changing my circumstances. Right now. Right now. The quantum theoretical laws. The quantum theoretical laws. (laughs) Of all of creation. Of all of creation. Has proven beyond. Beyond any doubt, they've proven beyond any doubt that my unwavering desires, my unwavering desires, will change my life. They're going to change my life, and are changing my circumstances. And they're changing my circumstances now. Now, I wake up each morning. I wake up each morning excited to experience. Excited to experience the very greatest version of me. <laughs> the very greatest version of me. I am attracting positive circumstances. I'm attracting positive circumstances and positive people and positive people into my life into my life my unique inner genius my unique inner genius and my strong willpower and my strong willpower is causing me it's causing me to become even greater to become even greater my imaginative journaling my imaginative journaling is attracting my greatest desires it's attracting my greatest desires it's changing my vocabulary it's changing my vocabulary I'm learning to speak the language of my success I'm speaking the language of my success and I'm aligning my actions and I'm aligning my actions toward attracting abundance toward attracting abundance my greatest purpose my greatest purpose is manifesting right before my eyes it's manifesting right before my eyes i am so thankful i am so thankful that today that today i am filled with the strength of joy i'm filled with the strength of joy and i'm overflowing with the abundance of wealth and i'm overflowing with the abundance of wealth wow i feel like our relationship with with money just went to the chiropractor or something <laughs> we got a major adjustment today. I was thinking that earlier <laughs> um, we didn't mention this before make sure you te- you text the word kinetic to 844-844-0049 and check out stephenkenyon.com for the guided journal that we talked about today and also to keep an eye on the membership page that is coming it is coming Sending out much love, much light and uh, to all the KB <laughs> creatives that are manifesting great wealth mm. all around the world. And so much love to you, Steve, and thanks as usual for all the wisdom. Bye.